If you need help getting Social Security disability benefits, then this podcast is for you. Give me 15 minutes and I'll pull back the curtain on disability and reveal the secrets to winning I've learned over the past 25 plus years. Hi, I'm Jonathan Ginsberg and I'm a practicing Social Security disability lawyer. I want to help deserving claimants just like you win the benefits you deserve and not one penny less. Now, if you already know you need help today, go to ssdanswers.com for a free and confidential evaluation of your case. It takes just two minutes. That's ssdanswers.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Now, let's start the show. Hi there, this is Jonathan Ginsberg again, and welcome back to my Social Security Disability Podcast. And today, I'd like to talk to you about the five elements of a winning back pain social security disability case. Now, as you probably would expect, back pain is the most common ailment seen by social security disability judges. In fact, back pain is probably the most common physical complaint that people in the United States in general are going to have. So it just stands to follow that back pain is going to be the most common uh, disability claim as well. And because judges see so many back pain cases, they're not going to approve you unless the medical record in your case documents a severe and long-lasting condition that has not responded well to treatment. This episode is designed to help those of you who are still working despite chronic back pain, uh, but who are seeing that that the possibility of continuing to work is going to be short-lived, or those of you who've already filed and you want an unbiased opinion about what it takes to win. And that's what I want to do here today. So I want to set out for you the profile of a winning back pain case, at least in my opinion. Now, other lawyers may have a different opinion or a different profile. I'm just going to tell you what I look for when somebody, I speak to somebody about their back pain case. Now, you can clearly have a deserving back pain case that I would take even if you don't meet the profile I'm about to give you. For example, one of the factors I'm going to talk to you about in a couple of minutes is your age. Generally speaking, Social Security disability judges are going to be reluctant to approve a claimant who is in his or her early 20s. Realize that Social Security administrators in Washington make it very clear to the judges that the Disability Trust Fund is running out of money, and they need to be very careful about approving somebody who's going to be drawing from that account for the next 25, 30, 35 years. You probably have heard that the Disability Trust Fund is going to run out of money in 2030 or 2020. I don't think it's ever going to run out of money because Congress can keep moving money over, but nevertheless, it's political. So Social Security is very, very aware that this fund is not unlimited, so they want to limit the number of people who get on disability, which is why it's so difficult to get approved. All that being said, if I have a 21-year-old client who's been in a serious car accident, he's fractured multiple vertebra, um, he went through surgery, but surgery was only partially successful, and now he's on long-term opioid pain relief, pain management, but he needs help getting dressed or bathing, and he's not a surgical candidate anymore. Um, that's probably the case I'm going to take because it's really, really serious. So I think it's fair to say that the younger you are, and when I mean younger, I mean 20s and 30s, maybe even early 40s, 
the more serious your medical problem has to be so that as a general rule, uh, I'm going to require more from a medical record when I'm evaluating a case for a 23-year-old than I would a 53-year-old. But again, that doesn't mean I'm not going to take a 25-year-old client or a 35-year-old client. I'm just i going to look for a more significant medical record. So let's get back to the profile of what I consider to be a winning back pain case. What does this profile look look like? Uh, there are five factors that I look at, and I'm going to try to give them to you in the order that I look at them, what I think is the most important. Now, the most important thing in my view is the medical record. If you have back pain, I'm going to look to see are there MRI reports to show disc issues, or are there CT scans, maybe a CT myelogram to measure Uh, spinal nerve problems or other problems in the spinal canal. I want to see radiographic testing to show a significant problem. If all you have, however, is x-rays, that is going to be very difficult to win because judges are going to expect to see an MRI or a CT or some or nerve conduction study test, something other than an x-ray. X-rays are just not going to be enough to move the needle because, again, remember, back pain is the most common things judges see they're going to want to see more than an x-ray. I'm also going to be looking for something that Social Security calls a longitudinal treatment record. This means that we want to see uh, ongoing and regular treatment with a medical specialist, ideally like an orthopedist, a neurologist, or neurosurgeon. Your family doctor is not going to be sufficient in most cases because, again, family doctors don't have the specialized training uh, and know-how to treat a serious back injury case. And if all you have is treatment records from your family doctor, um, the judge is going to basically assume that your condition must not be that severe because you've not seen a specialist. Again, a GP, a family doctor, general practitioner, is not the best resource to map out either a surgical or a non-surgical treatment plan for a serious back injury involving your discs or your spinal canal. Uh, Again, I'm not telling you that's the way it should be. I'm just telling you that's the way it is. And one of the things you're hearing me say is this is what judges are looking for. And that's exactly what I'm getting at because our job is to convince a judge. Uh, This is not about what you think or what I think. It's about what a judge thinks. And so I've got to show you I've got to show the judge uh, something very, very specific when it comes to uh, the medical record. So what judges are looking for is a plan of action that they have seen before. Again, if a judge sees something unusual, the first thing his default response is going to be, situation must not be that serious because he's not gone through, this claimant has not gone through the normal protocol. So again, it doesn't mean your your treatment director has to follow this exactly, but it needs to be kind of in the neighborhood because like I said, if a judge doesn't see a normal treatment protocol, then the assumption is going to be you don't have a very serious problem. So what is the protocol? And usually if you've not suffered some sort of a trauma like a car accident or a fall um, or, or even if your pain is chronic, it could be or seems to be getting worse. The first thing uh, that you're going to do, the judges expect to see, is you're going to go to your family doctor and you're going to say, you know, my back is really hurting me. I'm having trouble working. I'm having trouble standing and sitting. Can you help me? And the family doctor is going to typically tell you to rest it, take stop your activities, stop working out, stop playing softball, um, take a few days off of work. Sometimes rest will do the trick. 
or the doctor may, your family doctor may prescribe muscle relaxants or mild physical therapy. That's what they do because they know, and it's true, that mild back problems or it could be a strain or a sprain, it's going to resolve itself ice. It's going to resolve itself in two or three weeks and you'll be back to basically your normal activities. So that's what a general practitioner is going to do. And again, that's what judges are expecting to see. Now, if that doesn't create improvement, if, if you're if resting and icing and a little mild physical therapy or maybe walking in the water, uh, water therapy does not help, then what's going to happen is the GP, your family doctor, is going to refer you to a specialist like an orthopedist, neurologist, neurosurgeon, somebody who can take a closer look at what's going on with your back and come up with a more specialized treatment. Again, this is what judges expect to see. So when you get to the orthopedist or you get to the neurosurgeon or or neurologist, then what's going to happen is that specialist is going to order an MRI or a CT or a CT myelogram, some sort of objective test to see What's going on in your back? What's going on with the discs, with the spinal canal? Is there stenosis? Is there disc damage? And whatever they come up with, they'll come up with a plan of treatment. And a lot of times what will happen is they'll first order a little um, physical therapy to see if this is something that's mechanical. It can be uh, addressed with physical therapy, maybe some, again, more strong, stronger muscle relaxants or, or pain pills. Um, if that doesn't work, then the specialist, I'm, going to, I'm just going to say orthopedist for, for sake of uh, brevity here, uh, may order something called an epidural spinal injection where they inject um, basically something in your back that would deaden the pain a little bit. Same thing that, that women have when they're pregnant, an epidural, uh, to reduce the level of pain and also to deal with the swelling. And many times, um, if it's not that serious, just by giving you the relief from the pain and the rest, uh, that can help solve the problem or at least delay any kind of surgery for months or even years. If that doesn't work, they may, they may pursue something called facet injections, which is a little bit more invasive type of injection, um, and it reduces the swelling and the pain. If none of that helps, then um, what the doctor, the orthopedist will do is he will evaluate you for possible surgery. And the most common surgeries that we see for back pain would be something called a laminectomy, which is designed um, to give the nerves in your spine a little bit more space, or possibly something called a fusion, where the spongy material between the, the bone, the disc, the vertebra, is removed and the vertebrae are fused to stabilize the spine. So that is typically um, the type of surgery that would be considered and recommended. Um, and again, that is what the judges expect to see. So I'm going to take a little break now. When I come back, we'll talk about the rest of the factors um, and how you build a winning back pain case. Don't know where to begin? Get my free Secrets to Getting Approved Survival Kit. Inside the kit, I discuss such things as how do you know if you have a case, what to do if you're denied, how to avoid common mistakes, and my ever-popular how to avoid trick questions from the judge. Subscribing is free and easy. Just visit ssdanswers.com and look for the Survival Kit for instant access. Remember, time is eroding your position every day. Don't delay. Act now. That's ssdanswers.com for your free survival kit. 
Okay, I am back, and what I've just gone through for the last few minutes is uh, the starting point for my evaluation of a back pain case. And what I basically have talked about is that the judge is expecting to see certain types of medical treatment that, again, most people with significant back problems undergo. So if you have this, you follow this protocol, then that's going to be familiar and comfortable to the judge and makes, it will make it more likely the judge is going to say, yes, this person uh, definitely has a significant back problem because he or she has followed the normal protocol that I'm used to seeing. Now, obviously, when I went through that, I'm simplifying the medical treatment because there's, it can be, there's a lot of exceptions and a lot of different types of back issues. And I talked about the two most common surgeries. There's obviously other types of surgeries, other types of diagnoses. But generally speaking, um, this type of analysis, the um, starting out with maybe some physical therapy, some muscle relaxants, relaxants um, the epidurals or facet injections, uh, and these are the sort of things that judges expect to see. So if, again, you don't have that, it doesn't mean you're not going to win. It just means that you're going to have to explain why you didn't have this normal type of procedure. And sometimes if you have a serious back problem, the judge or the doctor may send you directly for surgery or for a surgical consult, and that's okay too. So um, again, when I'm looking at a back pain case, um, if it's significant enough, I think, to win a disability case, there usually has at least been some discussion of surgery or if surgery is not an option, and sometimes surgery is not an option, uh, then the notes will indicate that the judge considered it but made a decision that surgery uh, did not make sense in this particular case. Realize surgery is a big deal. Back surgery, very it's, it's, even though it's a common type of surgery, it involves a lot of complications in, in many cases. There's no guarantees. Uh, I've read statistics where half the people who undergo back surgery end up no better off. Um, sometimes you can get worse. I've had clients tell me that the doctor said, you know, if I have the surgery, there's a 30% chance I'll get better, a 30% chance I'll stay the same, and a 30% chance I'll go get worse. Well, most people aren't going to take those odds, and you're not going to be punished for refusing back surgery if you have a legitimate reason to explain why you refused it, uh, i.e. that you are concerned about the complications or even risk of death uh, for that. So I'm looking for a case, for a back pain case, to summarize one that is generally surgical in nature, or at least surgery has been talked about. Um, if I don't see that, if basically the, the, the orthopedist says this person is not a candidate for surgery, they're not a candidate for long-term pain management, they simply need to lose weight, they need to stop smoking, and they need to uh, engage in more physical activity or reduce heavy lifting, but if they can still lift 10 or 15 pounds, I'm probably not going to take that case because I don't think it's going to be significant enough to move the meter, move the meter uh, with the judge. The second thing I'm going to ask a potential client, factor number two, is do you have support from one of your specialists, i.e. your orthopedist or neurosurgeon, pain management doctor? Would they help us by completing a functional capacity evaluation. And a functional capacity evaluation, um, there's a variety of types, and I'm going to use the term generically. The one I use is basically a form that I put together. Uh, I've derived it from the official Social Security form, made some changes, and I customize these all the time. Um, you could have a more formal functional capacity evaluation with a physical therapist, uh, that may be overkill. I don't think you need that for Social Security, but it can be in that more formal where it's 15 pages and it's a two-day test. Uh, but what I'm looking for is where the doctor will simply fill out a, a 20 or 25-question form 
that addresses your work capacity limitations. Because remember, Social Security Disability is about your capacity for work and how your medical issues, in this case your back pain, your back problems, uh, limit you from functioning at a simple entry-level job. Um, If we have a long-term doctor who will complete this form and indicate that you're going to have problems being reliable, you're going to miss excessive number of days, you're going to have to take unscheduled breaks, uh, the pain level is such that you won't be able to focus or concentrate, you're going to need to um, avoid, uh, you're going to need to take, uh, let's say you can sit or stand for a few minutes, but you're going to need to take excessive breaks to rest, um, and you wouldn't simply wouldn't be reliable. And again, there's a lot of questions on the form that will uh, trigger a finding that you're not reliable. That goes a long way to winning your case. Now, will a judge approve a case if you don't have a functional capacity evaluation? Absolutely. But what's going to have to happen there is that the judge is going to have to uh, basically deduce from the record functional limitations. So clearly, if you have a uh, three discs that are terribly herniated, um, there are nerve conduction problems, you have no feeling in your your leg, you've got a bowel or bladder incontinence, you've got sexual dysfunction, a judge can pretty much assume that you've got pretty significant problems that would interfere with your capacity for work. But less than that, as we go down the scale, it's going to be harder and harder for the judge to uh, make a conclusion about your work capacity limitations if we don't have any commentary uh, from the doctor. So again, just like in the case of someone who's an older person is going to need less than a younger person, uh, the same way, if you have no functional capacity evaluation, no commentary from your doctor about your ability to function, the medical record itself is going to need to be stronger. Uh, Because again, the judge is going to have to make deductions and judges don't like to play doctor. So they will have to again, make a deduction based on the seriousness of your medical uh, record itself. Much better to have a functional capacity evaluation or a narrative report. It can be done in that form, too, from the treating doctor or treating specialist talking about your work capacity limitations. Third factor, and this is, again, something that I look at, and I think it's more important maybe than it's given credit for, and that is your work history. Um, if you have a long and consistent work history, Uh, judges are likely to find you more credible. They're going to accept your testimony because they're going to assume, I think correctly so, that a person who's worked 20, 15, 20, 25 years for the same employer or for a couple of different employers even, um, that you're not going to stop working after 25 years, getting close to retirement age, making good money, uh, having your, your social network at work, Uh, just the rewarding financial nature of it, to sit at home for two to three years waiting for Social Security to make a decision on your case. People with a long, consistent work history just aren't going to do that. And so if you have a long work history, judges are going to find you more believable and accept what you have to say. And I've had judges say this on the record that I, you know, to the client, my client, you know, Mr. So-and-so, I really uh, applaud you for your long work history. I'm sure you would continue to work if you possibly could. Uh, but I see that you can't. Um, if you don't have a, a long work history, if you've had multiple jobs or you've had some gaps in your, your employment, again, it's not going to mean you're not going to win, but I'm just telling you that a person with a long, consistent work history is going to be more credible. Number four, uh, category item four, and that would be your age. And I've talked about this a little bit before. If you're age 50 or over, you have an advantage. Uh, the grid rules might apply. Um, the judge is going to be less concerned about obligating the trust fund. And it also makes sense that a 
53-year-old, let's say, is going to have more trouble bouncing back from a bad back than a 23-year-old. So uh, this doesn't mean that a 23-year-old is not going to win, but you're going to need to have a much stronger medical record if you are only 23 or, or 28 or 30 or 35, something like that. So again, the older you are, the easier it's going to be for you to win disability. So that's a factor I consider. And finally, the fifth factor would be what I would call the intangibles. And those, these are things that um, judges are going to not necessarily always be looking for, but if you have these in your case, it's going to make it that much stronger. Uh, for example, have you, do you have unsuccessful work attempts? Did you, you were working at a job, let's say it was fairly physical, you couldn't do that anymore, you tried to work at a, an easier job, but you were unsuccessful at doing so, you were not reliable. Um, these unsuccessful work attempts demonstrate that you have a desire to work and you're willing to try to work even with significant medical issues. Judges are going to look at, are you compliant with medical treatment? Have you gone through everything the doctor said? Even if you've got physical therapy that's painful or that's inconvenient, have you done it anyway? Have you avoided self-medication with alcohol or street drugs? Can we get work records showing that you had great attendance and great reviews uh, until your back started to become a real problem and then you started to see a decline in performance and reviews and you know were your coworkers and supervisors willing to pick up the slack for you because you'd been there for so long and done so hard um, have you had a, a, a some sort of a hardship like a home foreclosure or a repossession. I've had clients in their 50s that had to move back in with mom and dad. Well, that's embarrassing. Nobody wants to do that. And again, that's something that's going to signal to the judge that this is not something that you're you're not lazy, you don't want to not work, but who would give up their independence to move back in with their parents in their 50s or late 40s? Um, where do you live? Um, or how do you live, rather? Do you need help with bathing or dressing? Um, has your back problems, have they impacted your ability to dress yourself, your sexual function? Nobody likes to talk about these things, and judges know that. So if you've got embarrassing consequences of severe back pain and you're willing to talk about that and, and you talk about how embarrassing it is and, and how it's affected your relationships, that's going to enhance your credibility. And I think, you know, this is something I talk about a lot in my, my videos, and that is you know, your, your, your state of mind. Are you coming across as a fighter, somebody who hates the idea of pursuing disability, but really is doing so because you've got no choice, or have you kind of given up, um, you know, and, and are you doing those things that would help make yourself better? For example, if you, are you trying to lose weight? Are you stopping smoking? Are you walking in a pool? Um, you know, I think people that have, have, are continuing to fight and to try, even if things don't look really good, judges appreciate that. Whereas other folks who've just said, you know, I know I'm disabled, I can't do anything, I'm just giving up, I'm not going to even try anymore. Judges pick up on that, and that's sort of a subliminal message that does not work well. So the five factors I've talked about, again, not written in stone, it's nothing official, I'm just telling you based on 25 plus years of doing this kind of work, these are things that I think uh, make up a winning back pain case, and if you fit this profile or come close to that, I think that greatly improves the odds of you winning Social Security disability as well. So I hope you found this helpful. If you have any comments or questions, please reach out to me. And until next episode, this is Jonathan Ginsberg wishing you the best. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. Subscribe to this podcast for regular updates at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this podcast useful, then please give me a five-star review because it helps others see the value of my information. Thank you in advance. For a 100% free and confidential, 
evaluation of your case, visit ssdanswers.com. That's ssdanswers.com. Don't delay. Act now.